It's good to see you. Anybody know what else is going on in town? Heard anything? Heard there's something else going on. I hadn't heard about it. My mom texted me yesterday. It was super fun. She's not from around here. She said, this is all the text said. I said, do you even like apple butter? <laughs> I thought, man, that is more honest than you know. And I said, no. <laughs> Whatever the full extent is, no. Um, I want to do something real quick before we jump into week two of the cool of the day. I want to, I want to do something quick. We, did, we got some, uh, we got some uh, knowledge back from our daycare. Uh, and uh, I love it. Is this on? Is this on? Okay, perfect. We got some knowledge back from our daycare. And uh, this was just some quick tips for parents. And we, what we found uh, and what we didn't identify was that there was a lot of stress going on with parents. And parents feeling like they don't know. And I know a lot of parents with different backgrounds, different levels of homes. And so this is just real quick, real quick tips. All right? Quick tips for parents, right? Now, if there's one thing that I am more sure of than ever is that there is more advice to parents than ever. You get on Facebook, you do it on the Instagrams, you do whatever you need to do on the webs, and you're just going to get thrown at. So this data comes from literally one building over and just helping with some of the things that, we, that, that they said brought the most chaos into the day for parents, all right? These just three quick tips. Kids need structure. It creates stability. You need to stick with it. And one of the biggest ways that the chaos sipped in was bedtime. Make a bedtime routine. Stick with it. Do it every time. You'll be amazed how that will change the chaos of your evenings. If you'll just stick with it. Make a bedtime. Stick with it. All right? Second, for me. One-on-one. No distractions. One-on-one, oh no, no distractions, no distractions. When you get on the floor with your kid and you give them one-on-one time, it is a different level of quality time. And I am very aware of this, I have three kiddos, and that middle kid, I know it's stereotypical, but he feels forgotten. And when he acts out, you know what, more times than not, I think, it's not he's a bad kid, so I haven't given you much one-on-one attention, have I? I have literally, and he's just crying out for that. And he loves it when I give it to him. Find a way. No distractions. Make it a priority. One-on-one time. Last one is this. Practice saying no. You want to do it right now? No! All right? No! Yeah, we can do it. All right? You can look to somebody. You can say it with conviction. Look at their eyes. No! Yeah, right? Now, why that's important is because no means no. And every time, it's not a negotiation period. That is such a good line for me. Because the first time I say no, that's what my kids think it is sometimes. They're like, okay, so the discussion is on. No. Your word, that no should mean the end of discussion. It's over. And there's a reason for that. Just as if they were crossing the street to hit a car, they need to... It's a boundary, which means we have to learn to wield it correctly as parents and keep it consistent. Yeah, I love it. See? No, we're already teaching things. <laughs> wield it responsibly. All right, so those are your quick tips for parents. Quick tips for parents. Routines, quality time, practice saying no. Sound good? Cool. We're in week two of In the Cool of the Day. 
And I have really enjoyed preparing for this week because it's one of those, uh, one of those, it's one of these series that I feel like it's just refreshing for me to be reminded of some of the things that sometimes we go past, sometimes the things we just forget about, sometimes we just we've forgotten that there's sometimes some needed work in our faith. And what we're basing this off is a it's a passage in Genesis. It's a passage where the fall has just happened. It's described as Eve taking a piece of fruit. She eats it, then she offers it to Adam. Adam eats it. And then they hide. They hide from God because they're embarrassed. They hide from God because they're ashamed. And then we get this amazing verse. The men and women, uh, they, the, the man and his wife hid, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Here's the series right here. In the cool of the day. In the best part of the day, he was coming to walk with them. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and he said, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was, I was naked. I, I, knew, I knew that my sin could not be hidden from you. I knew that what was true could not be hidden from you, so I tried to hide. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Oh my gosh, who told you that that truth, who told you that truth is going to end this relationship? Who told you that? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So it's such a cool passage. So why this is so important for us is that capturing the idea of how, how accurate this still is to my and your description of our relationship with God. And whether you're far off from God and you haven't been looking for him at all and you feel very much so like he's not close, or whether you've been trying to and you've been coming to church and you've been trying to walk with God for a long time, I think we can all feel that moment where God comes to look for us and we don't feel like hanging out. We don't feel like it's something we want to be with. Or maybe we're confused of what it should feel like or how it will go. Or maybe we've been told something about God that maybe isn't completely true, but we allow it to affect the way we interact with Him. And so in the cool of the day, God comes to walk with us. And so this series is all about maybe asking the question, what would it look like to step out and to re-engage, celebrate, and to be united. What if we took that and believed it? That the opportunity to walk with God is present, and to be with Him, and to experience the life that He offers. And so last week we just identified one way, and that was solitude. And so last week I just said, what if getting alone with God is a part of this? Distraction-free, isolating yourself is where your personal belief in God starts. That you can't do it while being fully distracted, and you can't do it if you're just in a group. Imagine if that's how you got married or tried to date, was always groups. At some point, it needs to get personal and intimate, and that's the relationship that God wants with each of us in that way. And so today, we're going to talk about another one. And this is, this is one that hits kind of close to home, and I have to admit, it's because you try to mess with my food. And I don't like when people try to mess with my food. I'm a picky eater. My wife will tell you that if she's here. We're going to talk about fasting. I mentioned food, and I meant that in a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of snide comment, because fasting is really the, the willingness to remove or reduce, um, or it's a removal or reductions of daily rituals, desires, or needs. Now, why this is important to recognize is because we're somebody else's most difficult way to fast. If I told you 
that there weren't cell phones when this first came out as a biblical strategy for re-engaging with God, some of you would go, good, they're off limits. But I would actually tell you, some of you would actually struggle more by taking a week off from your phone than a week off from food. So this fasting term becomes something that's a little bit more personal. It becomes a little bit more of a stringent, like, ooh. Now, why was this something that was used? This is something that's ancient. This is something the Old Testament has. Great passages in Exodus about the, the people of God would use this as a tool to kind of re-engage with him, to re-kind to re of submit and to surrender and to say, yes, you're in control. And part of it is because there's some need in this. You know, this isn't just about things you want. This is need. So when you remove food, it's like, what is it, 28 days, 29 days, I think, before you start getting kind of, eh, real bad. And it's like 40 days is where, like, your body starts shutting down. I feel like, for me, like, 12 hours is when hangry sets in. It's a need. And what it does, and why they used it, is because it makes you think differently, doesn't it? Makes you engage in a different way. I want to point out some benefits real quick of why fasting. Fasting breaks down strongholds. An onion sounds terrible to me when I start fasting. By the end of it, I would love an onion. Give me an onion. Any kind. Raw. Sounds delicious. And that sounds horrible because you guys, if you ever, who's bitten into a raw onion before? I've done it in youth stuff before. You become a vampire. It's disgusting. All right? It's horrible. But if you haven't eaten in 20 days, here's what happens with this. It breaks down the things that have become more important than they should be. Habits, hang-ups, holdbacks. Bad priorities. Bad habits in your life. Horrible ways that you've made decisions. The things that you have been raising above God and put in the wrong place begin to be broken down because you see what's most important. You, you start to get to recognize all the things that had distracted you, all the things that had been in the way start to fall away. And all of a sudden, you're left with something genuine that you really, really, really want. I find it cute. I know I've mentioned this already several times, but I like to think about this in certain ways of how I prefer certain food over other food. Does anybody have a certain food that they just absolutely love? Just think about it right now for a second. I know none of us have eaten lunch yet. It's going to be a great moment. You got that in your mind? Me, it's a really nice steak pan-seared with a little bit of butter put over top of it, a little bit of garlic right at the end, maybe some fresh rosemary, medium rare, not burger style, medium rare, with homemade cut fries. Whew. You know at the end of seven days my mind and my body wants? Nutrition. It's, not, it's no longer thinking about items or things that I, I'm just, my body is crying out for nutrition. 
for real genuine nutrition, for real genuine life. And that's the second thing. It brings and gives fresh real life. It breaks down sometimes what you think you want, and then it offers something at the very end that your body, your soul will cry out for. Something real, something fresh. It's no longer your desires that have taken you hold, or the strongholds that have held your passions, but now it's all of a sudden those are removed, and you see what you really need, what you really want, what you really need nutrition in. I find it curious that, that this is something that I feel so genuinely when I, I struggle sometimes in self-control. I mean, you hear struggle with self-control? How quickly this breaks that in my life and then offers something in the freedom of larger self-control. That's just one thought that I had this week with this. Self-control. The third benefit, which I think is right in line with this, but it just it goes along with what we're talking about in this series, is it builds faith and trust. At the end of when you choose to fast, there's this, this build-up. Maybe it's... Nothing major. Maybe it is just a little bit of self-control, but at the end, there's this moment where you go, wow, I didn't think about that. I didn't know that. I recognize that. This leads me to hopefully help you understand what really fasting is all about. You know, I mentioned that it's a breakdown. I mentioned that it offers fresh life. But in the end, what it's really calling us back to and what, it, what it's really in place of is when you fast, you remove the thing that is distracting you. You remove the thing that you think maybe has gotten too much of a need that you're depending on. And then you replace it with God. And you see if God can fulfill that. Now, in some ways, that sounds crazy with food, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to live off God. Doesn't that sound a lot like what we read in John just a few chapters ago when he feeds the 5,000 and then Jesus is like, hey, uh, I am the bread of life. And everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. But this is the spiritual act that builds faith and trust. You take seven days off of not eating and then you ask God to be your bread, I think you'd be amazed at the nutrition you would receive that would be outside of what bread could offer. And it builds you up. Creates faith. For some of you in here, this may be the first time you've ever heard about fasting. You're like, man, I've heard protest, but I've never heard it as a as something that would interact with me and God in the cool of the day. That, that just sounds crazy. I don't know if I could do that. No, this isn't, a, this isn't something that I'm like saying, hey, you need to go home and not eat for a week. This is more me just going, do you know this is a tool in your tool belt? Did you know that to step out from in the weeds, to step off and take your leaves off and to be bare in front of God would be to admit your need for the very bread you eat? See that? That you are not God. That you cannot sustain yourself. That you cannot live with just what you have. You need other things to provide the life 
that you have. And this is an exercise in putting that back in God's hands. It's a tool. Now, for some of us, it's not going to look like food. It's going to look like a phone. It's going to look like a TV. It may look like a sport. It, it may look like a certain type of food, like this water I'm drinking. When I'd like to have a Coke. It may be a time of bed that you wake up. It may be a type of food that you choose to just eat. I know for some of you in here, this may be a new school, or a new school of thought completely, and you may need to just train yourself in understanding that fasting is about recognizing something in your life that you love and enjoy completely, and then being willing, being willing to say, God, I would set that aside because I know you're greater. I would put that aside for a time because I know you're bigger. I know you're more important. I know that you are the very air that I breathe. That's what fasting is. And fasting doesn't come with a time limit. It's not like you guys have to go seven days or you could go for two days. You could go for 24 hours. You could go for a month. You know what I found really awkward when talking about fasting is because of this next verse, and I'll give it to you in just a second. Um, this is why it's really awkward to talk about fasting, because this is the context of what Jesus said we're supposed to do when we talk about fasting. And I'm going to point out real quick at the end why it's so hard to preach about it. In Matthew, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who like to uh, fast and then wail and cry and cry out to God and expose their difficulty in it. And so this is what he says, when you fast, you do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you that they've received their reward in full in that moment. But when you fast, put oil on your head. See that? That's put gel in your hair, ladies. That's, that's put the dry shampoo in, right? That's what that is, right? And wash your face. So that so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. This is between you and God. And so when I get up here, I want to tell you the things and the times that I've interacted and I've chosen to go into this. I don't feel like I should. Does that make sense? I don't feel like I should tell you about all the detailed times that I've experienced this in small and large ways, that I've taken time to do this. I don't feel like that's the point. I feel like the point is to say this. Try it. One-on-one. -on -one. This isn't where we come in next week and we go, all right, put how many people didn't eat this week on the board. Let's see whose faith grew. It's not about that. This is about you, unseen, behind closed doors. Taking a step in faith. And that's really what I want you to attach. If you hear nothing else I say, hear this. Fasting is faith in action. One-on-one -on -one with God. Fasting is you taking a step. Faith in action. That's what it is. It's you trusting God. Trusting God in an area. Removing it and putting Him in the place. You decide. You pick the spot. You pick the thing. 
but you put God in his place. And then you trust him to do it. You trust him to be enough. We're talking about the cool of the day. I want you to experience that. I want you to walk in a garden with God and need nothing else with you. That's what this trains you to do. To walk with him and to see that he is enough. It's powerful to do that. Isaiah 58 has this great passage. Isaiah is calling the people of God back to believe that Christ is coming, that God is coming. And if you want to go read just some cool prophecy, go back and read Isaiah 53. It is so cool. So cool. Just think about Jesus. Read Isaiah 53. But Isaiah 58, they're talking about this. And so I want you to be clear. Fasting is faith in action, but it leads to something. It doesn't just lead to you feeling warm and good about yourselves. It doesn't just lead to you just walking with God, because interactions with God lead us to somewhere. And so take yourself for this. You fast with God. It's in a private way. He restores and guides and gives you new life, builds your faith up, and that leads somewhere outside yourself. It's a process. This is what it says in Isaiah 58. It's not this kind of fasting I have chosen. Not the false kind that would be just for yourselves, just for what you want, just about you and God, but the fasting that he wants us to be a part of. This is in the Old Testament. Proving what Jesus is all about is different. He wants our fasting to loosen the chains of his justice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. It's not to share, it's, it's, it's to, it is not to share your food with the hungry and to prove the poor wandered with shelter, wander with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them. It's not to turn away and to, to, to your own flesh and blood. I love this. It's sarcasm. Is it not to? Is it not to? I love it. Verse 8. Then your light will break forth like a dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, and then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer, and you will cry for help. And he you remove the thing of prominence in your life, and you surrender it to God, and you say, God, I will put this aside because you are greater, and I believe it. And then as you do that, guess what he does? He goes, yes, that is amazing. Now do not stay here. Use this new faith. In a prominent way. Take what you have learned. Take what you have shown you. That you have new life. Incredible power. To sustain you outside of. To provide health and nutrition. Where others would not see it. But you've seen it in the unseen places. And in the end. Fasting calls my faith into action. In the end, fasting calls my faith into action. I have never met a single person that has privately said they've tried fasting and then not seen God call them and move them and show them how to do things in their families, with them closest to them, or in decisions of anxiety or fear or reconciliation or financial or with parenting or with marriage. God uses this 
one-on-one to call your faith into action. If I can give you one cue into how this would just be an amazing thing for you to try, if you are in a place of deep anxiety, undecision, not sure where to go, lack of purpose, in pain, in hurting, or in a place of celebration and joy with gifts that you've been given. These are all places that you could surrender in an applicable way with something that you would hold as the coping mechanism or the celebration tool that you would allow God to have a place for a set amount of time to give your faith feet to watch bless to bless come alive. I think that's what God would want to do with us in the cool of the day. To challenge us. Do you think we could believe again that he's enough? Do you think that we could walk with him and see him as who he really is? And that would be that would be the fuel to where our feet and our faith would take us. If we're going to look for full life, you guys, we have to believe that he has it. And fasting is an incredible way to put something aside for a set amount of time, put him back on the throne, and believe that he is living water, to believe that he is the bread of life, and that our faith would move in action in response. God longs to meet us in the cool of the day. I challenge you. Find a way. Find a way to use this tool. It doesn't have to be a week. It doesn't even have to be food, you guys. Take something. Remove it from your life. Put God there. Say a prayer. Play a song. Just be quiet and listen. And see if your faith is not moved to action. If it's not built up. If strongholds aren't broken down. And if fresh life doesn't flow in. Pray with me.